Hey y'all, I'm Elisa. And I'm Samantha. And welcome to Watch for Deer. Are you in the mood now? A little bit. Okay, okay. We had our uh, podcast for play. Had to get her in the mood. Well, <laughs> so we always do the introduction every time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey y'all, I'm Elisa. I'm Samantha. Yeah. Welcome to Watch for Deer. And... We record it every time because it it gets it going. It gets it flowing to do the podcast. And she's like, okay, you say yours first. And this is what it sounded like. Hey, y'all. I'm Samantha. And I'm Elisa. And welcome to Watch for Deer. And it sounded terrible to me. She said it doesn't sound right. She was like, delete it. We have to do it again. Yeah. And so (laughs) we did it again. But then Elisa did it. (laughs) And at the end of it, I was like, welcome to Watch for Deer. No, no, you said welcome and to what? No, you said welcome to watch for deer. And it was just so flat. <laughs> so that introduction that you just heard took us three tries. Three tries just for that part to so, get it right because it's got to be yeah exactly like, the same. I'm a creature of habit. It's got to be exactly yeah. the same each time. So I want to tell them what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> Elisa comes in. And her eye, the corner of her, her eye looks like, her left eye looks like it's been bleeding. So what happened last night is I woke up mm-hmm. this morning and I text Clinton a picture. It's, it looks horrendous. Oh my, stop. And it I asked horrendous. him if he beat me in my sleep last night. It looks awful. Elisa. <laughs> it actually looks like I'm actually concerned. Like I'm actually concerned. Are you sure that there's, sis, you gotta go to the doctor. Nah, <clears throat> just Busted blood vessels. We're good. We good. How many did you bust? All of them? Oh, I mean, all of the ones in the left eye. I wish you'd put a pair of sunglasses on or something. That <laughs> <laughs> look like, what, what is his name? I don't know. The blind guy that plays the piano? Ray, Ray Charles. Charles. <laughs> I was like, what's, what's his name? <laughs> and I look like Ray Charles up you, here in the microphone. <laughs> your eye looks terrible. I'm sorry. You're like, I look terrible. Well, you're, my eye is going to be the last thing on your mind today. Okay. Because I have an amazing story for you. She has been teasing I'm me so with this excited. story for a month that she's been doing research. Y'all, literally... Like, a month worth of research, two books read, plus scouring, like, the internet. Um, I promise, this is, to date, this is the largest case that we have brought to you. And I'm very excited about it. Okay. Are you ready? I mean, today we are going to chat about the Toy Box Killer. Elisa. I'm just kidding. It's really not. Okay. (laughs) My heart sank. (laughs) I hate you. God, I hate you. I just told her, because she'd been talking about doing the Toy Box Killer for... It's intense. Uh, ...months now, and I was on TikTok. You're shaking. I, well, I was on TikTok, and this uh, recording of this, you know, just yeah. on TikTok, and I was like, what is this? And it was just this guy talking, and... I know what and then I was like, you're talking about. I was like, what is it? And it just kept getting... And then he started saying things that, like... We're not normal. N- no, I don't even know how to describe what Mm -mm. he said and like it kind of made me sick to my stomach and you know at the bottom of it it Mm -hmm. says search and I looked down at the bottom of it and it said search toy box killer and I immediately sent her (laughs) a message and told her that if she was doing the toy box killer to nix it that I would not do I said I cannot do that so yeah she just basically said no ma'am I said no (laughs) no and so when she just said that to me I so. I hate you. I love you, but I hate you. That's not cool. 
So, with that being said, we will now take applications for a sit-in co-host for the Toy Box Killer because I will be covering it. Yes. It, it is a story that must be told, um, but she will not set through it. So, if you're interested in being a co-host on that episode... And it's not hard to be a co-host. No, and it's you, not. And... You only get to do it once. I don't care how good you are. That's right. That's right. You're, you only you're, get to keep not my seat my warm, warm for the really bad stories that I just can't do and can't listen to. Yep. So, so. email us at watchfordeerpodcast at gmail.com and let me know. Put in the subject line, toy box killer. And go ahead and put, you know, dear Lisa, I know that I am not replacing Samantha. Yeah. But... I wouldn't mind sitting in, yeah. and well, you can do it that way, but it needs to start with that sentence. Yes, yeah, it does. So, <laughs> definitely email us. We'll go through the applications, because we know there's so many people who wants to do this with me. <laughs> You'll be sorry. It'll probably be a solo. <laughs> no, I bet I can think of a couple people that'll want to do it. Okay, so let's dive in, Okay, you we? did say that I don't, you, you're like, no, you have no idea what this no, is No, you have no clue what this is about. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Yes, and I swear if you say it really is the toy box killer, I'm going to come across this counter on you. <laughs> when police initially executed a search at the Picton's pig farm, they were looking for illegal firearms. But what they saw was so shocking and so vile, they quickly obtained a second warrant to investigate the property. There, they found body parts and bones littered across the property, many of which were in the pigsties and belonged to indigenous women. Sorry about that. We had to uh, pause for a second. And if you heard my cat, cat I had to let him out. Thomas J. was was really upset. He was really upset. We were ignoring him. Okay. So So go ahead. Now, back to the pig farm. So, who was Robert William Picton? Robert Willie was born on October 24th of 1949 to Leonard Francis Picton and Louise Helen Arnold, who was a family of pig farmers in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia in Canada. Mm-hmm. Leonard left the parenting to Louise, and honestly, he had little to do with the kids. He was a lot older than Louise. He was just a crap stain of a father. Like, he was lazy. He was just not a good dad. Now, Louise, on the other hand, she was a workaholic. She was eccentric. She was very, very tough. She was a short, stout woman with a rounded face. She always wore a cotton house dress over a pair of men's jeans, and that those jeans were then stuffed down in rain boots. Now I'm trying to get a middle picture. Okay, let me <laughs> let me describe her to you. She was a very I mean she, she didn't just look odd. She literally behaved awful. Like she was everything think next door neighbor like the one that you're scared of. Oh. The one that's like get off my property. You know, she had, her teeth were rotted out. She'd lost most of her hair, except a couple little wisps, which she would cover up those stringy wisps with, like, a bandana tied up, you know, in her hair. She even had hairs that sprouted out her chin. Like, she had, like, a full-on beard, okay? Okay, so a full-on goatee. First of all, first of all, Lisa, some of us with darker hair, right? Mm Mm-hmm possibly keep car tweezers 
and we're not going to shame people <laughs> for having know. car tweezers. They're Miss Blondie. There's nothing. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. And no, we're girls- talking about a full on beard. Like we ain't talking about one or two straight hairs because I got a couple of those. Just a couple. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. But we're talking about this chick needed a razor. Okay. Okay. Well, she was everything you could possibly imagine in like a horror movie. She would come out like wrong turn. Wrong turn. Yes. Wrong turn horror movie. Pig farmer. Do you nasty. have a picture of her? No. That's the thing is you can't really find a picture of her. Okay. Go ahead. Because this is a long story. We're okay. going to be here forever. So, not only that, like, she would come out and she would scream and yell at, like, the neighborhood kids. Like, just absolutely a terrible woman. Okay. Now, not only that, the family home smelled terrible. Mm. It was a smelly mess. She never cared for the farm animals. Um, And they were, many of them, many of these farm animals would just come through the house. Mm. And keep in mind, they're pig farmers. Yeah. Okay. So if you have ever been around a pig pen, it's the worst smell. It's the worst smell to gag you. It is the nastiest smell. And it carries. So at this time, imagine 200 pigs. Ooh. 200 pigs. Mm -mm. Okay. They had Mm -mm. various farm animals. We're talking chickens, we're talking dogs. Um, They would let these just trample through the house, take a dump. Take a pee, whatever, just through the house. They did not clean their home. What year is this? This was like in the 60s. Okay. All right, go ahead. So they were all oblivious to the smell. I mean, they literally lived in a pigsty. Yeah. So the Pictons were super unclean. It was muddy, cluttered, just god-awful stinking mess. And as parents... Leonard and Louise were absolute failures. Now, Louise would always try in her own little way to look out for Willie. Um, she knew that he had a hard time making friends. Um, and Willie was kind of Louise's favorite, if, if we can call it that. Okay. Willie did have a younger brother, David, and he had an older sister, Linda. So, each of these kids were about a year apart. So, mm-hmm. they had Linda first, mm-hmm. then they had Willie. Mm-hmm. A year later, they had David. We're talking about like three kids back to back. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. So, um, Willie's parents sent Linda to live with relatives since they believed that a pig farm was no place to raise a young lady. And let me tell you, she dodged a bullet here, okay? Okay. Like, she, like, once she got older, like, she was, she was out. But the weird thing is, and a lot of my information I got from Stevie Cameron's book, On the Farm. Excellent book. What do you call an excellent? I'm Hold talking on. excellent book. Uh, it's a huge book. Well, your excellent book uh, recommendations are probably <laughs> different than what the rest of us would would want to read. So, <laughs> probably you're going to recommend the farm, and I would recommend Twilight. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, or no. something like that. If you're in the true crime, I highly suggest it because she. Goes into detail about a lot of things. And it's impossible for me to cover everything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I highly suggest On the Farm by Stevie Cameron. Well, I highly suggest Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. So there you go. (laughs) But the weird thing is she would, she kind of took better care of her daughter than what she did the boys. She would actually like dress her up. And we're talking about the woman with two wisps of hair. Yes, and a full goatee. Okay. But anyways, like, she, she was treated a little bit better than the boys. Okay. So, um, Linda, like I said, she she got sent off. Um, Willie and David began working on the farm when they were really small. And this work was super demanding, and his parents often prioritized the pigs over their son's personal hygiene. When they were allotted a washing, they ran a tub full of water, and it was shared. This caused Willie to become afraid of showers, as they were only allowed to take baths. Now, life on the farm was grueling. They worked very long hours and received a lot of mental abuse. When the boys would go to school, they would repeatedly be bullied and made fun of, as their mother often sent them off unwashed and dirty, reeking of pig poop. Now... These boys, we have 200 pigs, and these two young boys would have to go out of the morning before they went to school and slop the hogs. 200 pigs having to slop and feed and then go directly to school. So you can imagine how they smelled. Right. They literally had the nickname Stinky Piggy. That's what other kids called, and they lived in a very wealthy neighborhood because even though they were extremely gross and lived on a pig farm, they were extremely wealthy. They had sold off chunks of their farm to mm-hmm. land developers. Mm-hmm. They were very wealthy people. Okay. They lived in a neighborhood with lawyers, doctors, very successful people. I bet that smell of 200 pigs Could carried. you imagine? Oh, oh my God. Could you? I'm surprised anybody even lived there. Like, I just... It baffles me. Is there pictures of their house or anything? Oh, yes, ma'am. So, we do have pictures oh, of their house. Yeah. And you're going to post all this. Oh, I yeah. actually want to see it. Like, I see it. I mean, yeah. Here, you read and I'm going to thumb there's through pictures, this book. There's pictures in that book. Okay. So, you can kind you of You keep through. reading. I'm going to yeah. thumb through the, through, through the pictures. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, Willie was super close with his mom, like I said, but his father was way more abusive. So, he really had little interaction with him as possible. There were even reports that Willie would hide in pig carcasses as a kid when he wanted to avoid other people. So this kid is already just super backward. If he wanted to, like, avoid people, he would crawl into a pig carcass. I don't even know what to say about that. I know, right? I really don't. I don't know what to say about that. So Willie was put into special education classes after he failed second grade. When he was 12... He brought a he bought a small calf with his own money and he raised it. He loved this little calf. After about two weeks, Willie comes home from school and he can't find his little calf. So his dad tells him to check the barn. So Willie walks out to the barn and finds his loving little calf hanging by the hawks upside down. They had slaughtered his pet calf his mom and dad did yes or his dad his dad at just 14 he dropped out of school and began working as a meat cutter now he'd done this for about seven years before he came back to work full-time on his parents farm 
Now, on October 16th of 1967, Dave Picton, who was Willie's baby brother, he was driving his father's red truck shortly after getting his license. Now, the details are kind of murky, but something happened that caused this truck to slam into a 14-year-old boy who had been walking along the side of the road. Mm. This little boy's name was Tim Barrett. In a panic, Dave speeds home to tell his mother what happened. (coughs) Louise Picton returned with her son to the spot where Barrett was lying, injured, but still alive. Now, according to the Toronto Star, Louise bent over to inspect him, then grabbed the little boy by the arms, drug him into a deep ditch running along the side of the road, and left. Now, the next day, Mr. Barrett and the cops went to look for Tim when he didn't come home. Mr. Barrett happened across his shoe lying by the edge of the road. They looked over into the ditch and they found Tim laying face down Was he alive? in the ditch. An autopsy revealed oh. the eighth grader had drowned. And that while his injuries from the collision were severe, they would not have killed him. So, here's Louise. She literally pulled this kid into the ditch and left him. He couldn't raise his head out of the ditch because of his injuries were so extent. extensive. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this is what type of people we're working with. Leonard had told David to take the truck to the mechanic to have the dent fixed where he had hit the little boy. The mechanic thought it was super odd because this truck was just a beat-up farm truck. You know, it had dents and dings and and scratches. It was a farm-use truck. So, why Um, would you want that one particular dent Why would you want this dent fixed? And he even asked the mechanic to paint over this dent. And the mechanic was like, no. He said that he popped the dent out. Um, He said, but he would not paint over the dent. He was like, there was no point in him painting over that. So, the next morning, the mechanic heard on the news about the little boy being hit and killed and put two and two together. Mm. He called the police. They came out and matched the paint and the crease to the truck. They charged him in juvenile court and was convicted of fleeing the scene of an accident and was placed on probation. And his license was suspended until he was 21. How old was he at this time? Um... I'm not six. I'm not real sure. Okay, he was old enough to drive. Fifteen, okay. sixteen, probably. Now, eventually, the both of the Picton parents would die of cancer, leaving this farm to their three kids. So Louise died. Louise dies, and and Leonard dies. They both die of cancer. First Leonard, and then Louise dies. Now they left the farm to their kids. The two boys and a girl? To Yep, to the two boys. But there was a little slight <coughs> stipulation in the trust. They said that Linda could have her half and David could have his. <clears throat> but Willie was only allowed to have $20,000 until he turned 40 and he had to live on the farm. Until he turned 40. What? That that was just what she wrote up in the trust. I thought, didn't you say Willie was her favorite? Was he? I mean, I He always thought he was. I don't know. You're the one who said it. I think after reading the book, I think she knew how irresponsible he was. Like, yeah. he had middle child syndrome. Uh-huh. Like, I think, 
I think she just knew how irresponsible he was. Oh, but at the beginning of it, did you say that Willie or did you say David? Willie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he had to be on the farm until, until he was 40, 40. and got $20,000. Yep. Did he get a yearly or did he have to work the farm to? I think it was just a one lump sum. Okay. That he got All until right. he turned 40. So, Willie's about to go off his rocker. So. All right. Willie. I can see where this is going. <laughs> I can see where this is going. People no, listen. you really can't. Yes, I can. Listen I to me. Listen to me. See where I'm going to foreshadow. I'm going to foreshadow. I want to I hear. I want to hear. These 200 pigs are going to start eating people, aren't they? Like, the, that's where they're going to put the dead bodies. They're going to be dead bodies. And instead of burying them, they're going to throw them in a pig pen. And that's that's how that's going to end. I know this is where you're going. You first of all, you're messed up in the head, and you're too excited about this story. So you just keep. Oh, uh, you, your brain ain't right. You just keep Why listening. Why are you smiling? Just keep listening. Why are you smiling? Just keep listening. <sighs> Willie begins working with a butcher. Of course he does. Um, that he would go to auctions with and pick out like the worst and the cheapest animals for slaughter. Now. This auction house would often sell their cold animals to Willie. So these were either sick and scraggly animals, or some of them were either like even near death, like not something you'd want to eat for sure. Okay. So owning a pig farm, they also, Louise was a businesswoman. She also started BNC meat lockers. So, what this was is they would butcher these pigs, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the 60s. A lot of people didn't have these large chest freezers like we have now. They didn't have those. You're right. So, these people would pay the Pictons to freeze their meat. And then they could come and they could pick up their meat as they needed. Okay. Okay. So, excuse me. So, with that being said, just keep that in your mind. Keep that in your mind. Okay. Um, I don't know what to, to think. Get, okay. I don't know what to think. To get rid of all the bones and unwanted parts, Willie would use his brother's backhoe, and he would dig large pits on the farm to throw in carcasses. Um, once that was full, he would just shove dirt over them. So he's digging a big hole. He's throwing these pig carcasses in these holes, right? Mm-hmm. And he's bulldozing dirt over him. Okay. 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 Just just a big old death hole. Okay. A oh, pig. A, a pig. Okay. Of, of pigs, yes. Okay. So, Dave was also a business. He owned, like, excavating company and all this. Um, His brother, Dave, became a biker and always had a very rough crowd at the farm. So, there was always lots of partying, lots of drug use. So, at one point, they... <laughs> what what <laughs> okay, why would you say what is wrong with you <laughs> so anywho i'm just what? gonna keep going one of their friends at the time karen kaufman recalled willie being super strange and alone <coughs> she believed he had the mentality of an eight-year-old now karen said willie was a very private person and his bedroom was in the basement of their old farmhouse one night dave had showed karen uh, Willie's room. She said it was rather bare. To get to it, they'd walked over a false floor, and sometimes it would flood in the basement. There was just a plain old mattress lying on the floor with a large black splotch right in the center. Listen to me. Does that sound familiar? Listen to me. That's <laughs> what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, she posted something the other day on Facebook. It's been like two weeks about ago. About researching. And it was a an open book. Mm-hmm. And it was just a paragraph and open book. But it was like far away. And mm-hmm. it was just like. It was on my, my computer. It was like oh, I was, it was on, this yeah, it was yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like you were supposed to read it. So I screenshot yeah. it. And then I zoom in. And it was like there's a black. Oh. <gasps> There's a black spot and a horse head somewhere. There's a horse head somewhere. Cause I, and you were like, stop zooming in. I'm like, stop cheating. Yes. Yes. I was like, quit cheating. I was like, why is there? Okay. So why is there a black spot, Elisa? The next thing she saw was a horse's head mounted you. on the wall. <laughs> Willie had raised a little colt and it had hurt its leg badly. Aww. So after it died, he had sawed its head off and took it to a taxidermist. Karen and her friend Kathy said Willie gave him them the creeps. They refused to eat any meat that came off that farm, too, after seeing firsthand how they lived. So, they recalled as they went down into the basement into Willie's room. And you got to keep in mind, this whole house is just trashed. We're talking like, there's like hardly an infer- Like, you can't, like, it's a path. That's all it is. Think worst case scenario, hoarders, but only nasty. So they walk Orders in. is nasty, but go ahead. You know, like, like with, like, well, dog and pig and chicken crap. Okay. And okay. we're talking bugs crawling and maggots. And Unimaginable fly, nasty. Blow flies. We're talking like, like the, the 12th level of hell. Okay. Is what we walk into. Okay. Just imagine that. So... They walk in, and they said Willie's room was, like, super nasty. Like, it wasn't any better. But the only thing that there was was this just empty mattress. It didn't have any, you know, sheets or anything on it. Because keep in mind, they only took a shower or, well, a bath maybe once a week, if that. Yeah. You know, they weren't very clean people. Right. So, this spot on the mattress is sweat, dirt, poo, Probably some other bodily fluids. So it's just his. It's, it's just his, his junk. Like it's, his it's gross his gunk. gunk. Yes. It's yeah. he's oozing gunk. Yeah. He's oozing. He's oozing gunk. Yeah. He is oozing stank all yeah. over his mattress. Okay. Is what he's doing. So I have to say that's better than what I originally thought when I read that and I forgot <laughs> about it. What the black stain on the mattress was. So, Sandy Fleur worked for Dave and had to hire a babysitter for her two young daughters while she worked. One day, the babysitter just vanishes. They called her mother to see where she had went, and their mother said she had no clue. She hadn't heard from her in a while. Now, the Pictons claimed that she was a drifter and just never reported this babysitter missing. They're like, okay, well, she's gone. You know, just, she's a gypsy in the wind. Okay. Okay, so, um, Willie begins going to West Coast Reduction, um, which is a huge rendering plant to drop off some of these animal carcasses and bones. Um, for those that don't know, rendering plants, like, they cook down Mm -hmm. things, hair, feathers, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what they do. They get rid of the stuff that pigs won't eat. Yeah. Um, Why this, do you look at me though like that when you say like what? you're like stuff like pigs won't eat? And I wish this was videoed because the way she like side eyed me just now, <laughs> like she just side eyed me like she's like pigs won't eat, like wink wink, uh-huh. <laughs> like what what what? <laughs> just listen to my story, Sam. <laughs> so stop looking at me <laughs> with my with my nasty eye. Oh yeah, your eyes ma- messed up. <clears throat> you need to go to the doctor. 
So when these ladies had walked down into Willie's bedroom in the basement, Mm -hmm. you know, Dave had showed these ladies what was in there. Willie comes home. Mm -hmm. And Willie's like, if you ever bring them to my basement again, I will kill them both. Like, he was okay. very particular about his privacy. Mm-hmm. So, after this, like, Dave and Willie, like, fights and argues about, you know, this situation. So, for a little while, Willie moves out and stays in the barn. He sleeps on top of, of these freezers. Well, Dave owning these um, construction sites, he buys those little mobile homes. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Little work trailers. Mm-hmm. So, Willie moves into one of those, and he, he moves this trailer onto one of the campsites. Willie does or, or Dave? Willie. Willie. Willie moves out of the basement because nobody's respecting his privacy. And moves and, and sleeps on top of the freezers and then moves and into then, one of the work trailers. Yes, moves into one of the work trailers. Okay. Yep. Yep. Back to the rendering plant. This is actually located in downtown East Side, and this is a very common place for sex workers. This is a super rough area. So he would just drive his truck up to the dock. He'd take his barrels and dump the contents into a large vat of muck. Now, when he couldn't drop off his barrels of muck, Willie would arrange for someone to pick them up. Jim Cress was a driver for the reduction facility, and he would make regular trips out to Port Coquitlam to pick up these barrels. Now, Jim recalls one time he looked inside the drums, and he noticed the meat was black and like in big chunks, which... Really surprised him because farmers don't really, like, you get all the meat you can off the bones. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if this is your business, you're getting all the meat. So, what went on in the reduction plant, very few really understood. So, giant augers moved the scraps into deep fat fryers, and then it was cooked down until the grease could be separated. This grease would be moved through underground pipes into vast storage tanks that can hold 50,000 57,000 tons that would wait to be turned into cosmetics, soaps, paints, plastic, textiles, and even candles. What? Are you telling me that that babysitter was fried up (laughs) and made into lipstick? (laughs) Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm just, I'm teaching you about reduction plant. Also. It's very important. I just didn't know if our viewers or our listeners knew what a reduction plant was. Also, when you said 57,000 tons, I immediately thought 114,000 pounds. I just want you to know that. Well, I don't math, so good for you. you. So that's what I was thinking. (laughs) And then I thought, now you have lipstick with human oil in it. (laughs) How do you know? Because I can tell by the way you're reading it in, like, your side-eye. I'm not side-eyeing. So, Willie starts picking up these sex workers since he's already downtown east side. And there's a little um, uh, hotel, the Astoria, that he likes to, you know, frequent the bar, hang out, drink, pick up hookers, whatever, sex workers. So... Now, female homicides of sex workers were not uncommon in this area. In what? I just know where this is going. Like, 
Are you about to cry? No, I'm not okay. about to cry. You look a little distraught. I'm not about to cry. I just know where this is going. And then, and then you're every time when you do stuff like this, and then I think about it all the time. And now when I put my lipstick on, I'm going to be like, <laughs> maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's a prostitute. <laughs> This one, like when you do that stuff, I can't let it go. Like I can't just walk up my stairs tonight and let it go. It it stays with me so long. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But I'm candles too, and textiles, <sighs> plastics, paints, soaps. Lather lather your booty up with somebody else's booty. Your, how do you know? I I I'm, how do you know? This, I'm just. I can ex- tell by the way you're reading, and I can tell by the way you've got that little smirk on your face because something's going to happen that's really going to bother me. You were way too excited to tell me this story, and you have been for a month, and you keep side on me. Can I? Can I continue? Please, thank you. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Female homicides of the sex workers were not uncommon in this area in the 1980s. Police actually knew the identity of one serial killer who was still active. His name was Gilbert Paul Jordan, who was an alcoholic barber with a long and serious criminal record of sexual assaults. Since these murdered women were sex workers, the police were not interested in finding their murderer. Along with these murderers, there were several other women who had simply vanished. So here we are, we're in the, you know, we're in the 80s, and we have a lot of these sex workers just disappearing. Rebecca Guno, 23, who disappeared June 22nd of 1983. Yvonne Marlene Abagosis, who was 44, grew up in Manitoba, was last seen on January 1st of 1984. By the end of that same month, Sherry Rail, who was only 18, had long, light brown hair, green eyes, and a butterfly tattoo on her left shoulder blade, had also disappeared. Next was Laura Ma, a small Aboriginal woman born March 23rd of 1943. Laura was 42 when she disappeared in August of 1985. In that same year, Cheryl Donahue, 39, disappeared. Eight months later, March 13th, 1986, Elaine Allenbach, 21, vanished more than two years after Allenbach disappeared. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm flag what eight months later march 13th 1986 elaine allenbach 21 vanished now more than two years after allenbach disappeared so did Teresa ann williams who was just 15 but the mother of two children in 1989 who was 34 elaine dumba uh she had moved into Vancouver. She disappeared. <clears throat> By 1991, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and I'm you're probably going to see me call them RCMP. Just shorten that up. Won't you just call them Mounties? The Mounties. The Mounties. Go just Ma- call them the Mounties. Go Mounties. Isn't, I think that's yeah. what they call them. Yeah. Just call them Mounties. So they would bring in Agent Howard Teton um, from the FBI, who was probably the first criminal profiler. Now, Teton set up the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit in 1972. Some of their past triumphs included Ed Kemper, Charles Manson, David Berkowitz, and the Boston Strangler. So, the Mounties and the Vancouver Police kept bickering back and forth as the Vancouver PD wasn't really interested in profiling. Like, this was a new concept. 
Um, so they were like, this is stupid. This is pointless. Um, and in all honesty, Vancouver PD was not interested in launch, launching an investigation for these sex workers because they felt it was a waste of time and resources mm-hmm. because, you know, they're less dead. They're the bottom of society. Right. So they don't deserve justice. They don't deserve right. justice. They're not humans. Right. Yeah. I I'm, call bull crap, mm-hmm. which is bull. Right. Every, I don't care what you do. You're a human. You, you deserve, matter. You matter. These women, every single one of these women had people that loved them, had people that reported them missing. Had they been just some sex worker? It wouldn't even matter. It wouldn't have mattered. Nobody would have known. God knows. God does know. And God loves them. He knows everything. Yeah, he, he knows and he loved them and they mattered. Yeah, they did. They mattered. And Everyone mattered. And you know what? And if you're listening right now, God loves you. And you matter. And you matter. And you matter. And we love you. Mm-hmm. While the two authorities were trying to figure out the best way to proceed, another woman vanished. Nancy Clark, who worked under the street name Nancy Greek, disappeared at 25 years old. She had a tattoo of lilies and a butterfly on her left wrist and lived with her two little girls, 18-month-old, and the other was eight. Now, back at the farmhouse, Dave and Willie were fighting. Okay, so I kind of already jumped, you know, jumped ahead here. Dave throws Willie out of the house. Willie sleeps on top of a freezer in the shed. I've already said that. So, in 1994, Linda Picton, who was a successful realtor now. That's sister, right? That's sissy Linda negotiated the sale of the north end of the farm for $1.76 million. Oh, my gosh. And then in July of 95, she sold two more parcels for $1.7 million. Another parcel, two point three million. How many acre acres was this they farm? Had tons, tons of land. Um, another parcel for two point three million in the Coquitlam School District. Now the muni- the municipal assessors estimated the remaining land. The what? Municipal. Mm. Municipal. I don't no, know. No, you're you're messing me up. Am I? The Spell municipal. It. Spell it. Municipal. Spell it. Muni- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said it right the first time. No, baby. Say it, baby. No, baby. You, you say it, baby. That is mu. Say it again. Municipal. No, ma'am. No. <laughs> that is, that's mu. Mu. <laughs> Just say mu. The municipal. Yeah, thank you. That's terrible. That's not terrible. That is the English language. Municipal. No, ma'am. Assessors estimated the remaining land. <laughs> It's not municipal. It's municipal. Listen, you keep talking. I'm going to bury you. I hate you. Go ahead. Just go ahead. So, they estimated the remaining land was still worth $4.67 million. So, when I told you at the beginning, like, they were extremely wealthy, they were extremely wealthy. Yeah. I mean, they could afford to buy soap. They could afford a house cleaner. Oh, I'd, I'd have that good soap, too. The good soap. The oh, real good all handmade. The, the oh, good all soap. the good Gucci soap. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. All the stuff that's like $20, $30 a bottle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could afford Dow. They could, I mean, just anything. Dawn. I don't care. They had to use Dawn to cut the grease. You need to stop. <laughs> I'm just saying. They would have had to <laughs> use Dawn. Lee Manor was the 16th woman since 1979 to disappear from downtown Eastside. 
The next year, August 19th, 1994, Angela Arsenault, just 17 years old, with thick black hair and a broad smile, and had been shopping with her boyfriend. Now, after dinner, she got on the bus to go home, and she was never seen again. Now, the following year, in 1995, five more women went missing. Now, they had also suspected Ronald McCauley, who was a roofer, um, as a suspect in these murders. They also suspected that it was done by the Green River Killer, Gary Leon Ridgway, but none of the DNA matched. They had another person of interest. His name was Willie Picton. They obtained Willie's DNA, and again, there was no match. Kim Rossmo worked as an investigator on these cases, and his theory was that predators prefer to work in territory where they're most comfortable. Look at all the sex offenders, the rapists, all the violent men who prowl the downtown east side. Rossmo suggested they find out where these men lived and look for a place where they can rape and torture and kill with maximum privacy and start with the victims close to home. But then they expand their hunting area as their confidence grows. The last woman from the downtown east side to disappear in 1996 was Olivia Williams, who was 22. She had chubby cheeks and a sweet child's face with long brown hair and brown eyes. Now, the total count for 1996 was four missing women. Tracy Bouillon almost became the fifth. One night in 1996, she climbed into Willie's truck <coughs> and almost hopped back out because it smelled awful. Tracy recalls, it smelled terrible. It smelled of animals, like barn animals. And then he took me out to his trailer, which was freaking disgusting. As soon as you got into the kitchen, you couldn't go any further. Was she Was she also a prostitute? Okay. I was just making yep. sure. Like, I didn't know because I wasn't for sure. Okay. And there were clothes everywhere. The kitchen had a big counter with a sink and a little propane heater. The parking lot was built at the side of the trailer. And as you came in the kitchen... It was right there, and on the left was the rest of the building. What I could say was um, just the kitchen. I, I couldn't go any further, she says. We did our business. I got dressed, and he said he couldn't find his wallet, and then he pulls out a knife, and he says that I have his wallet. I pushed him back, and he cuts two buttons off my shirt. I walk out of the trailer, and he comes out and gives me back my purse and my wallet. He drove me back to downtown east side hold on hold so he just kind of attacked her with a knife like i mean he didn't kind of kind of i mean yep. he cut her so and the, then she walks out she didn't run nope she and she, she allows him to can you imagine living such a, a rough life i mean that honestly, that's normal that you don't run and scream and then you get back in the car with someone that's that's very mm -mm. sad that it is, that super is sad. that that's not terrifying to you that you would want to flee for safety that you that's a normal to you yeah. and your your flight or fight doesn't take over yeah that's sad so believe it or not willie had a best friend and her name was lisa yields well i not so let me tell you how and this is so bizarre on how he has friends to begin with so the how he met lisa was Lisa called the farm looking for her nephew, or I'm sorry, for her son, because her son was friends with Willie's nephew, Dave's son, and it was New Year's Eve, 
He was like, I don't know. He's not here. He's like, but I'll do you a solid. I'm going to go find, I'll, I'll find him, bring him home. Because she lived, you know, just down a couple blocks mm-hmm. from the farm. So Willie goes, picks up the nephew or the son and drops him off. So they just, and they just became fast friends, like close fast friends. Nothing sexual, nothing like that. Just really good friends. Um, When she had free time, she'd go to the farm and help him out. She'd try to clean up his motor home, which was always a mess. She was appalled with his hygiene and never hesitated to say that to his face. She was the only person who could make him take a bath. Now, but Lisa didn't know the other part of Willie's life. The part that couldn't get enough of life in downtown Eastside. Now, he kept that secret from Lisa. It was the fact that he reminded her of the American serial killer Ed Gein, who was murdering women in the 1950s. She recalled she'd always had a thought at the back of her mind that Willie could be a serial killer, but she was never afraid of him because she knew that he would never hurt her. Now, in 1995, Willie's brother, Dave, decides to start a new business um, as a dance hall in a bar called Piggy's Palace. Because, you know, everybody called Dave Piggy behind his back. That was their nickname growing up because they, you know, stuck so bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> Lisa gets a job cleaning and waitressing. And now, at this point in time, Willie buys a new trailer. And he puts this on the farm. So, he's not living at the job site now. Okay. Now, I want to talk about Sandra Gale Ringwald. This lady escapes the clutches of Willie, but barely. She was 30 years old. She was 5 foot 6 inches tall, skinny, and addicted to cocaine and heroin. Now, one night, sometime between 10 and 11, a red Chevy truck pulls up to her. He asks her for a favor, and she's like, okay, how much? And he tells her, you know, get in. And um, he was like, well, how about a little, little more? A little more than just, you know, your yep. usual. And she was like, well, how? You know, we're, we're in a pickup truck. He says, well, get in. He was like, we'll go back to my place in at, uh, you know, Port Coquitlam. So, during the drive, they made small talk. And he said his name was Willie. And he drove her back to the back of the property. And they got out of the car and went into his trailer. She said this place was a mess. It was a complete pigsty. She said in the bedroom was a sleeping bag, and they undressed, and they had their fun. Now, after they got dressed, she asked to use the phone, but he wouldn't let her. She asked to check out the phone book to look up a number to, you know, call and get a ride. Well, while she leaned over the desk looking at this phone book, she could feel his presence behind her. He grabbed her left hand and started caressing it, and before she knew it, he slapped a handcuff around her wrist. They began punching and fighting. Now, she remembered when she came in, she remembered seeing a butcher knife on the counter. So, she's, as they're fighting, she's kind of back and, you know, back away to where she remembers this knife. So, she reaches back behind her and she finds this knife. She can feel it slipping through her hand, leaving a gash. So, she slashes at his throat and pulls the knife across his chest. She then picked up a plant and threw it at him, followed by anything else that she could grab. The only way out was past him and out the door they came through. 
he was on her again, and they were swinging and fighting. Um, each other fall on top of each other, fighting, you know, wrestling. Sandra said she blacked out. Now, when she come to, she realized that they were both outside by Willie's truck. She was still holding the knife in her hand and jabbed at him frantically. Um, Willie wrestled the knife away from her, but started to slip to the ground. So, at this point, she stabbed him multiple times. Oh, she's actually made contact she's with him? She's made contact. She has stabbed him multiple times. Oh, good. So she has stabbed him across the chest. Yeah. Um, She has stabbed him across the throat. Uh-huh. Not, we're talking superficial. Yeah. But she has also stabbed him in, in the abdomen. So, she's made, you know, pretty good contact at this point. Well, good. Enough to where he, he loses consciousness. Okay. Well, good for her. <clears throat> good Sand- for her. Sandra runs. She gets to the road and a car comes by and they stop. They take her to the hospital. The emergency room team examines her quickly um, she had a cut on her hand really bad, you know, where the knife, where she grabbed the knife and it slipped through. Um, and her lung had even been punctured. Mm. There were two deep stab, stab wounds in her abdomen and she was losing blood so rapidly they were afraid they couldn't save her. Mm. So, um, the next thing she remembers is a nurse rubbing her shoulder saying she's going to be okay. Okay. So, an hour later... The sergeant receives a call that a second stabbing victim is on his way to the hospital. Oh. The, the cops bag the clothes, and when they go through them, they find a key in the man's pants pockets. <clears throat> they take it to the room where Sandra is, and it opens up the handcuff that is on her wrist. Now, they had to investigate, but it was his word against hers. He said his girlfriend went crazy and stabbed him. You know, she was on drugs, you know. And she was on drugs, right? she was right? on drugs, yeah. So, who do you think they believed? Well, let's see here. He doesn't have anything against him, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And these cops probably don't know that he has been a suspect in murders before. And you have a prostitute who is addicted to drugs really bad. Yep. So you're going to believe the guy, sadly. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, it it is what it it is what yep. it looks like, and that's yep. it's a he said she said yep. type thing, and and it's, I mean, so Willie was charged April eighth, nineteen ninety seven, with attempted murder. However, Sandra was so afraid of Willie, she didn't even show up to court. So and did the they believe her? Were dropped. So they believed her. They did. Good, good. Yeah, they did, but she was so scared of him. Good. That they dropped the charges. She didn't show up. Well, I mean, I'm glad that they believed her, though. I mean, at least, at least, yes. It doesn't matter. Because I would think It doesn't matter who a person is. It doesn't matter. I don't care. If you are a cop, your job is to protect and serve. I don't care if it's the wildest story you've ever heard. Right. Take the time and do your job and check it out. If it's bogus, then... You know, that sucks, but it is what it is. What if it's not? What if it's not? Well, I'm I'm tickled to death because I thought for sure. I was like, I don't think they've got anything on him. And, you know, it, and know. she's got a track record. And so, yep. so that I'm glad that they believed and they investigated it. I hate that she was too scared to do anything about it, though. Yep. But I've not been in that situation, so I don't know. It's now the middle of August of 1997. Eight more women missing in eight months, and this year wasn't even over. 
After a piece was published with The Sun by their writer Lindsay Kynes on July 3rd of 1998, a major tip call comes through to Kynes. The public knew he was working hard on the case of the missing women. The tip came in from a man named Bill Hiscox. Bill explained that he worked for Dave in 1997, and earlier in 1998, he got to know Dave's brother, Willie. Strange character. Very, very strange. He had also known Lisa Yields as well, who was Willie's best friend. The way um, Hiscock remembers the Picton Farm is that after he and Yields talked about Willie and all the women's clothing that were strewn about the place, he believed Willie might just be the person responsible for abducting all these missing women. The police had charged Picton with an attempted murder of Sandra Gale Ringwald in 1997. Bill thought because all the girls that are going missing and all the purses and IDs that are out there in his trailer and stuff, it just seems strange. Bill said Willie has a 25-acre farm, a lot of heavy-duty machinery out there, easy places to hide things. He frequents the downtown area all the time for girls, and everything started clicking on me, you know, about this guy. Even at this time, Vancouver still was not admitting that there was a serial killer out there. So even after he's a suspect, even after this major tip that makes really good sense comes through, they're like, eh, he's probably not our guy. Well, it's probably <clears throat> because, again, they're the women's, uh, the prostitutes, and they... Mm -hmm don't really want to bother with it. They may actually look at it as, you know, hey, they're kind of cleaning up the streets. It's a nuisance and we don't want to borrow it. Very true. But it That's is possible. So awful. It is think. possible that maybe that they think <clears throat> like that, that they're thinking that because they, I could see it. they think that these people, you know, this these is back in the 80s, that these women don't matter. Mm -mm. Back in the mm. 80s. So, you know, but now, that's alleged. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> that's allegedly they thought that. We have no facts. I'm just guesstimating. Just it's guessing. alleged. Allegedly. Authorities put together Project Amelia, and by the time they had done this, there were over 40 women missing from 1971 to 1998. Now, just a few weeks after they began to work in September of 98, six more women went missing. Now, Scott Chubb, who was an employee of Dave Picton's, um, told him back in January or February of 1999 to get Willie off the streets to stop the murdering. So, here is an employee of Dave. He had told them, y'all got to get him off the streets. Like, he's the one doing this. Like, y'all need to murder, like, get him off. You just say y'all need to murder him. You need to murder him. Get him off. Get him off the streets. I don't think he said that. I think you're just now, I mean, now you're just, you know, you're just, just saying stuff. I mean, I just, they should have, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, anyone who spent as much time as Chubb did on the farm knew about all the women's clothing, the purses, the jewelry, and, and guns that Willie you know, had on, on the farm, mm -hmm. in the barn, in the trailer. Um, they knew of his skills as a butcher. And Dave had to know by now, Chubb said, you can't live on this property as long as he has and not know. Not with all the women coming in and never leaving. But Dave did nothing. One night, as one of the hired men was staying with Willie, Andy Bellwood, recalled a conversation that they had had. He mentioned about going to get a hooker, and I said no. I wasn't into hookers. Then he reached under his mattress, and he grabbed a pair of handcuffs. 
Then he pulled out a belt and he pulled out a wire. I believe the handle, um, I believe there was a handle on each end of it. Kind of looked like a piano wire. So at this point, to me, it sounds like he is describing like a grot. Yeah. When you, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I was thinking of that. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, did you say like a handle like he's... T- yep. Okay. So you've got a handle on each end with wire yeah. to where you can wrap it and you can grot somebody. Do you know I did not know what that was until you had told You're me welcome. that in, in, I don't remember what epi- uh-huh. episode it was. And yeah. I was like, what? I think it was Mamie Faye. It may have been. I was like, what? She and you said trying, it again. And a then grot. You said, yeah. And you were like, yeah. And you told me what it was. I didn't know what that... Mm-hmm. I didn't... Never heard of that before. You're welcome. Well, I don't know if that's something to thank you for, but whatever. <laughs> I liked it when I didn't know what that was. <laughs> so, um, uh, he said that <clears throat> he told him he would pick up the hookers downtown, draw them in with drugs and money. He'd put them on the bed. He'd have them facing the other way. Um, he would then bring their hands behind their back, handcuff them, and strangle them. Now, he said that Willie would also tell them, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. It's okay, girl. It's okay. Kind of like you talk to, like, you know, your dog or your animal. Yeah. Like, um, he commented, too, on how much people bled. He was told they were taken out to the barn, and he explained to me how pigs eat pretty much everything a I human remains. I told you. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I have been sitting here waiting for the moment that you tell me that he was feeding these dead but he was i knew it elisa i knew it it gets better no what it gets so much better i don't i don't know if better is a good term it gets worse yeah there we go let's say let's let's yes it gets worse i knew it this is just the tip of the iceberg i yeah Mm-hmm. Anything that wasn't eaten would go into these barrels and taken to the waste plant oh, with the rest God. of the waste. I know. <laughs> Just hush for a second. <laughs> She's having a moment, y'all. <laughs> they render stuff down to the rendering plant. To the and waste. they make the soaps yeah. and the to, lipsticks. To the waste plant with the rest of the waste. Where they make the soaps and the lipsticks, Elisa? I remember him telling me he'd hang them in the barn and bleed them and get them. Whatever the pigs didn't eat, he'd throw in the barrel. And at the time, the police are trying to build a case against Willie. So they reach out to multiple friends um, for interviews. So they reach out to Lisa, who was his best friend. Now she, I mean, she declines all the time. Like she will not, she will not do an interview with, with the police at all. Now... In March of 1999, two officers came to Lisa's house for an interview. So, at this point, they're like, screw the phone. She is very uncooperative. So, they leave. But she starts thinking. Mm-hmm. And she starts thinking everything through. Everything she's witnessed in the past several years. Now, she's not surprised. Um, she did believe Willie was responsible for at least some of the disappearances. She knew he could butcher anything. She'd watched him. Now, she thinks all these years she helped Willie in the meat business. It made her gag to think of the meat that he took every month to wholesale. She then believes she may have ate some of the meat from the farm. 
Willie may have had human remains in it. She's now convinced this is how she contracted hepatitis C because Lisa was not a sex worker. Oh. Oh. Now. Hold on. What? I don't, I'm confused. What? Well, I'm confused about, wait one second. Okay. So these prostitutes, some of them were sick and had hep C. I'm is sure. that what you're is that what you're mm-hmm. alluding to? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then she <clears throat> I don't even think I can say it. Go ahead. I'm not sure what you're getting at. Mm-mm. I can't say <laughs> I can't say really like I can't like my mouth is like she wasn't a sex worker. No, I know that. Mhm. Nope. I, I, I can't. I literally cannot ask you. She thinks she ate some of them mm. and got mm-hmm. and got sick. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm asking you. What are you asking me? You're gonna have to ask me because I'm not. I'm not reading between the lines very well. <clears throat> it was cooked. Of course. Yeah, you cook meat, grill it, fry it. Would Hep C be cooked out of the meat? I'm not sure. We got any food handlers out there? My sister Carrie. You can answer that. I'm gonna I don't need think you to it comment. Would be, actually, do you remember? It seems like sure. there was a few years ago or something. There was an outbreak in Huntington, and there was people. Oh shoot! Do you yes. remember that? And they had stickers in the drive-through in windows the that would say you had that, to be vaccinated. That you had to be vaccinated. And this was in that. the 80s. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm. So yeah, no, no, no. Okay. cooked okay. meat would not kill Hep C. It was real hard for me to get through right there to ask that question. I mean, it was really hard. Like, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) This is why our podcast needs to be audio and video. Because I'm telling y'all, I'm I'm uncomfortable right now. Like, my, I'm real uncomfortable. (laughs) Okay. I'm real uncomfortable. So, I want to read, um, I want to read a section of, of this book. I didn't write this down, but I did, I did It's very important that I read this. Okay, are you ready? So like we said back in the beginning, there was always people on the farm. Willie always had somebody staying with him. Like females a lot of times, you know, would crash over. They always had parties. So one of the ladies that he has living with him right now, Mm -hmm. her name is Lynn Ellingson. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she was staying with him. Um, was she a prostitute too? Yeah. Okay. And she, so basically what happens is she gets in the truck and at this point he's getting these girls that stay with him to go with him to pick up hookers. Because at this time there's so many women who's being, you know, abducted that their guards up, you know, these, these girls are. They're being very cautious. Mm-hmm. So, Willie's caught oh, on to that. So, it's okay. like the buddy system. I got what you... Because... And I've heard of that before mm-hmm. in abductions. Yep. Especially, like... Where have I heard that? Maybe, like... um, Not America's Most Wanted, but... Maybe it was America's Most Wanted. But sometimes these predators, mm-hmm. they will get a woman... Because they'll trust... To prey on people, too. Because yeah. if you just see a man... Your guard is up, but yes. if you see a woman, mm-hmm. a whim, you know, women aren't as 
uh, scary as men. Right. Even though they can be. Yep. Yeah. So the trust factor's them, there. It, it lets it lets their guard down a yeah. little bit yeah. when they see another woman. Right. And so that's kind of what he's using um, Lynn for. Mm-hmm. So he's going. Mm-hmm. He's got Lynn in the truck. They're going around. They're going to go. Um, so if you're listening and you have any <clears throat> young children and you're always telling them, be careful, you know, of men, of men, of men, you go ahead and you, you make sure everybody. that you tell them that they need to be careful of women also, yes. of every single person. Yes, because people use that. You do mm-hmm. not want to pick up. A tube of lipstick in the in the store, and it be Samantha. What? Why would you say that? You don't. Yeah, like you don't want. No, you don't want that. Maybe it's Maybelline. Read your read your book. Maybe it's Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) Read your story. Okay. (laughs) So basically, Lynn is in the truck with Willie, and they find a. A girl, they're <clears throat> they're in the truck and they're going back to Willie's trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that they stopped. They got some drugs. Um, she said uh, then they drove back to the trailer. Um, Lynn says that they started smoking crack together, and as soon as they get inside <clears throat> of Willie's trailer, she this lady drops her purse on Willie's desk and she settles in. And Willie's watching him for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then Willie says, let's get this show on the road, he said, according to Lynn. And then he asked, who's first? The woman said she'd go first. So the woman and Willie went to his room and closed his door, and Lynn went to her room. Lynn smoked some more crack. Now, suddenly, she thought she heard a noise outside, a scream. She got up from her bed, opened her door, and went over to Willie's room. The door was open, and she peeked in. No one was there. She saw clothes strewn around everywhere. I walked out to the kitchen, and I could see a light sort of out the kitchen window, like where the barn was. The barn was right beside the trailer, and that's where he butchered. Willie butchered pigs. I opened up the door, and I stood on the porch. The light that was on in the barn wasn't the regular light that I heard, I don't know, just a, like it was a noise, but I don't know what the noise was. So I just started walking to the barn. As I started approaching the barn, there was like a really rude smell. It was awful. I got to the front door, the doors of the barn, and pushed the door open. And all I could see were these legs, <gasps> these feet dangling. So I was standing there. I just kind of froze and I yelled, Willie! And he came from behind the door, and he grabbed me by my arm. And I had to go in. <laughs> now, we walked um, walked to the table. It was a really shiny table. And I remember it just being, like, really bright. There was a light. It wasn't the light that was on. It wasn't, like, normal light. It was light in the back, like in the back of the barn. Kind of just the way it was angled. He made me stand at the end of the table. I just remember feeling really not well. My was going to be sick. I had nothing in my stomach, and I was dry heaving, and the odor was awful. And I seen these legs. I didn't move my eyes around. I was just in shock. And at my eye level, I could just see these legs, these toes, red nail polish on them. They were colored 
I seen hair on the table, and I don't know what else on the table, but it wasn't pretty. Lynn said she also seen knives on the table and understood right away how the body was suspended. Well, when you walk into that barn, there was a chain that always hung there. It was, as far as I knew, some sort of permanent, you know, in the roof, in the ceiling, and that's what he used to butcher the pigs. Mm -hmm. Like, she was just hanging there. I'm assuming it was the woman that was in the trailer. She had nail polish on. And he said to me, it's okay. She's just like a pig anyways. It's all right. It's going to be all right. She said he cut something and he was pulling something out. It was gross. It looked, I don't know, it looked like stuff, like from a pig, like insides. He had a bucket there always. And just, it was like a clump of black hair. Kind of looked like a horse tail. He sliced something and there was blood everywhere. And she can recall, like, seeing fat. Because she didn't know fat was yellow. And she didn't run? I was afraid. <clears throat> she said, you say a word to anybody. Do anything. And you'll be right beside her. <clears throat> that is traumatic. That just came out of Stevie Cameron's book. I'm telling you, on the farm, it's insane. It's insane. Nobody wants to read that book. It's insane. Nobody. <clears throat> on March 2nd, 1999, the Vancouver Police Department decided it was time to squash the concern about a possible serial killer. They said they kept reviewing this because they hear concern from the community, but have found no evidence to indicate there is a serial killer involved with these missing girls. So again... We have over 40 missing women, and they are still denying anything is wrong because these are sex addicts or sex workers who are drug addicts. Yes. After a few incidents, they put some surveillance on Willie, but nothing ever really came of it. Now, in 2000, Willie picked and still cruised the streets, but he wasn't bringing many women back to the farm. How old is he now, mm -hmm. you think? In I believe he's in his 30s. In 2000? Uh, when was he born? Well, no. Was he born in the 60s? When was he born? He was born 1949. Okay. So this is, what I say, 2000? Mm -hmm. In 2000. Okay. He's 51. So, yeah, he's not 30. No. Not, um, not even close. Anywho... Fewer women were disappearing. In 1997, 13 women disappeared. And in 98, there were 11. And in 99, when he was on surveillance, there were only four. The official estimate was now acknowledged to be 31. But they thought the count was much higher. By this time, Willie had a new girlfriend. Or a new friend who was a girl. Not girlfriend. Her name was Gina Houston. She would go and pick up girls for Willie and bring them back to the trailer. Lots of the sex trade workers were terrified of her. Now, by mid-September of 2001, a piece was published by the Vancouver Sun had stated there were 45 missing women, not 27, as the Vancouver PD had claimed. Now that the Sun had exposed the truth, the PD was finally taking the missing women more seriously. Willie was still up to no good, still picking up sex workers. Terry Groton recalled in late 2001, she had been picked up by Willie. There were two other girls already in the truck with him. So that's probably 
Gina Houston, mm-hmm. who was going with him to pick up these girls, mm-hmm. and they'd already picked up one. Okay. So, she said, <clears throat> she said the stench is what saved her. She began having an asthma attack because of the rancid smell and began panicking when he wouldn't let her out. She screamed and screamed, and Willie finally pulled over, slapped her across the face, and she left. By late 2001 into 2002, Scott Chubb, Dave Picton's former employee, reached out to the investigators. He was hard up for cash and was ready to talk for a price. He began by telling him he would give them the names of some local cocaine traffickers for $700 because his, his rent was due and he'd lost his job. The cop said, mm, no thanks. It wasn't worth $700 for that information. He said, well, what about illegal unregistered firearms? The cops told them that if it led to seizures, then maybe. So February 1st, 2002, Chubb calls them again because his rent was due. Chubb said he knew for certain Willie Picton had guns at his trailer, at least three. They stressed that he'd better be sure the guns were there before they obtained a search warrant. Chubb said he would confirm and told them there was one in the laundry room hidden. The authorities obtained a warrant and set to work planning its execution. But they'd been watching him anyway, mm-hmm. so they just probably wanted a search warrant. The, they right? had been surveilling him for a little while, but mm-hmm. they never got anything, so they backed off. They quit telling him. So the police gathered around Willie's trailer, and one of them slammed his door with a battering ram yelling, Police! Police! The second door to the trailer opened, and Willie popped his head out. What's going on? They yelled police again, and Willie shut his door. They barge in and arrest Willie Picton for possession of prohibited and restricted firearms. And this is where we're going to break for part two. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, I know. You would think it's over, but it's so far from being over. So far. So, we're only halfway through we this We are story. only halfway through this bad boy. And we I probably haven't, I mean, if you've been listening up to this point, you've been listening for an hour, so. It's extremely important that I do this story justice. It's there, it's like an onion. There's just so many layers. Okay, so that's where we're going to stop. That's and where we're going to stop. I don't want you all to be upset because I also have to wait yeah, for, for the rest of week. it. week. For a week. For a week till next Friday. And don't be Googling. Don't go and Google. Don't. I'm not going to. What? You know I'm I I'm looking won't. at you. You, you know You I don't won't. have time. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you all, as our amazing listeners, don't be Googling this case. With that being said, what do you think? What do you think? <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I didn't think that we were going to make it to the year 2000 something. I, I figured he would be caught by now. And now he's just being so from late search 70s warrant from the gun so to 2002 yeah and by what i was listening to i mean i don't know it sounds like he was killing one a month he is insane yeah yeah he's so. insane so anywho and i really thought too like when it started out that it was going to be about his mom because you described her and stuff and all this and i was like okay it's going to be mom and and i thought you were going to say that like she killed the children or Willie something. favored so. his mom very much. Like, he was a very beady-eyed, long-faced 
mm-hmm. strangly, gangly pile of pig dung. Okay. Yeah. That's a way to describe somebody. So, I like it. Anywho. All right. Well, I'm not going to do the usual. Well, unless I better do the usual. You have to do the usual. (laughs) Let us know what you think about this episode. Email us at. And it's not done yet. No, it's not done yet. It's part one. Part one. Part one. There'll be part two next Friday. So let us know what you think about part Part one. one. And you can email us at watchfordeerpodcast at gmail.com. Or message us at. On Facebook Mm -hmm. at. Watch for Deer Podcast. Or you can find us on Instagram at Watch for Deer Podcast. And as always, we want to tell you to go like, follow, subscribe, yada, 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 and share the love, give a review, all those good things. Mm-hmm. And y'all be safe and watch for deer. Bye. Bye. Bye.